podcast. I am Al Manorino, the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. With me, as always, because he literally has nothing better to do, is the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, Bill Bodkin. Bill, what is up? Uh, I just uh, want to say a few things. Factually correct, I have nothing better to do. I only go to Target and my corner crowsers where I can buy uh, spark plugs and whiskey. True story. And... Um, yeah, I am uh, also neither going to confirm nor deny that uh, Popbreak is trying to buy Quibi right now. Oh, wow. That's happening? That, I I'm... can neither confirm nor deny. Oh, man. Oh. God. Also, I Remember, did upgrade myself. To, I did rebrand myself as Bill Bodkin Plus on uh, our on the TV Break um, podcast. Yeah. So I That's will excellent. continue because now AMC Plus recently announced. So, yeah, I'm just Bill Bodkin Plus at this point. Excellent. Um, now, going back to Quibi real quick, remember when, like, life was simpler during the pandemic and that was, like, the biggest thing that we would talk about? Is like, oh, man, what's this Quibi thing? Well, no, life was never simple during the pandemic, so... No, but, it really wasn't. No, it wasn't. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like, another lifetime ago when Quibi started and we're like, oh, shit. But the first person to ever bring up Quibi on this site, this is a really bad transition, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's what they oh, paid wow. me for is our special guest this week for the 27th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Yes, we have been doing that for 27 divided by 4. That's how long we've many months we've been doing this. Jesus. I have an English and journalism degree. Math is not my strong point. Uh, yeah. Because this week, this episode, we were talking the Emmys, and there was no better person to talk about the Emmys than someone who stayed up to 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday with writing three pages worth of notes... To talk about the Emmys, that is the esteemed editor of the popbreak.com. He is also the co-host of the Cinema Joes podcast. He is the host of the TV Break podcast. He is the host of the Goodbye to All That podcast. He is the illustrious man who's been carrying this site during the pandemic. I can't put him over enough. His name is Alex Marcus coming to us from the A-Team van somewhere in central New Jersey. Oh man, that is quite the intro. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to that. <laughs> I, this is that was my peak on the podcast. I don't get I, it's all downhill hill for me. So you're I didn't realize we're in the eighteen van. <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize you uh, hosted that many podcasts. What is like your your schedule like, and how often are you in this van? Oh, dude, he's like <laughs> well, B.A. Baracus. So- we have we do one TV break episode a month, um, and we do two goodbye to all that's a month. So that's kind of like a once weekly sort of thing with one week off. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Cinema Joe's used to be, uh, you know, it used to be every other week. We kind of have been on a little bit of a hiatus over the past uh, like two months or so. We really haven't put out an episode, but that's because we were recording a lot of episodes that are going to be coming out all fall uh, with some of our favorite past and future guests, including. Bill, uh, where we're talking to our friends about their favorite films. So that's that's going to be out um, in the next few weeks. It's going to finally get started. And then it'll kind of carry us through into 2021. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, if you need someone for a guest in 2021, I'm your man. You just, you just talk, sure. about, the you nice just talk guys. about your favorite. I was going to say, the nice guys, the other guys, anything with guys and the in it, I'm in. Uh, but no, my favorite movie of all oh, time. Oh, the knockaround is... guys? Did you see? No. That? Oh well, it had been Diesel. I was uh, taking a taking a shot. My favorite that. movie though of all time is Shaun of the Dead. So if you haven't covered that yet, I'm your guy. 
We have we have not. Typically, the Cinema Joes uh, covers one new release, and then we do a larger topic connected to that new release. Uh, but mm. in light of the fact that new releases kind of don't exactly exist and the schedule is going to be very kind of hit or miss over the next few months, we decided to pivot a little bit and just bring on okay. some people that have been on the show in the past and some people that we've been wanting to get on for a while to talk about their favorite movies. And that ended up being really great. We have a lot of fun uh, topics coming up. Um, and it's amazing how exciting it is to get people on the record talking about the thing that they love most about movies. So, Solid plug. Love it. You can tie my episode in, in 2021, hopefully, to uh, One Night in Soho, which is going to be his, uh, Edgar Wright's next release. Oh, sure. So make it happen. I'm shoehorning yeah. my way into this podcast. I need to be on more that podcasts. It's basically how you shoehorned your way into my life seven years ago. Yes. and That, 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 is, that is correct. Yeah, and I, and that is correct. I, I had to think about, uh, I was applying for a job and they were talking about like, well, why do you like podcasting? And I was like, I had to think about how long I have been doing these things. And it's funny because I actually started recording my own podcast before I started listening to podcasts. What was that? News I don't know. Over, news over brews? That was news over brews. The podcast I used to do. You could tell. With, I mean, uh, there was, it was way less organized than this podcast. And this, that's saying something. This yeah. podcast is not organized. We are a train wreck. At all. We're already off the rails. Yes. Love it. Oh, 100%. But <laughs> the reason we brought Alex on for this episode specifically, we have not had him on yet. And he, you know, he already just talked about his bona fides of why he should be on this podcast. To begin with, he hosts 17 other ones. Did you uh, say the he's bona fide? No, the bona fides. Like his, like, you know. I know, but he's like, it's like, oh, oh, brother, we're out there. He's bona fide. He's a suitor. Jesus Christ. All right. This is, I mean, my, my whole soliloquy is completely off the rails now. Um, anyway, we wanted to bring Alex on because uh, last weekend we had the Emmys. And uh, uh, during the weirdest time ever in my lifetime, um, and they, they mentioned it a lot during the, the broadcast I saw, that uh, why did they do this? Why did they have to do this? Uh, you know, just maybe just a brief, almost glimmer of normalcy. Uh, but... This is going into our seriously what the fuck topic. What the actual fuck? The 2020 Emmys. Um, Alex, Bill, uh, my question for you guys is, were you able to catch the Emmys? Um, and just general thoughts before we get into, you know, wins, snubs, anything like that. Just general thoughts about, you know, the 2020 Emmys. I totally forgot that this was happening to be honest, until, like, Sunday was like, oh, shit, the Emmys are on. Uh, we'll start with Alex. Uh, so the big takeaway is that it worked, which was crazy because there was a lot of reason why it shouldn't have. People who didn't get a chance to watch or maybe only caught a little bit of it didn't get to know that much about how it was produced. Basically, Jimmy Kimmel was the host. He was live at the Staples Center. Uh, there was a couple of celebrity guests that helped introduce some categories that were also at the Staples Center with him. But for the most part, uh, there was no real presence at the location. Everyone who was nominated for any award uh, was in their home, uh, except for uh, our Canadian friends at Schitt's Creek, who, because Canada is kind of doing a little bit better than us, uh, were able to kind of like rent out a room at a nice restaurant, it seemed, where they were all able to gather together with masks. <laughs> um, and basically, they had uh, their Wi-Fi set up and like a camera sort of situation that was controlled by headquarters at the Staples Center. And like, it was all kind of done remotely. And there was a lot of question 
whether they'd be able to pull it off or whether like, you know, what, as anybody who has recorded a podcast can tell you, uh, Wi-Fi can sometimes be sporadic and, un- and unpredictable and connections can kind of drop out at the worst moment. And uh, yeah, that could have happened on mass at the Emmys. And it didn't, it kind of was sort of, at least in my opinion, went pretty smoothly and like all really a lot of good winners, not a lot of uh, like, what are they thinking moments, uh, which was cool. And uh, it got in with only, it was only five minutes over time, which is just kind of insane to think. So yeah, I think everybody has to think it was a a strikingly successful endeavor given uh, what could have happened. Uh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Alex. Um, I wasn't sure how any of this was working. Um, I actually didn't realize that uh, the Schitt's Creek crew, because I tuned in um, maybe like 20 minutes late, and uh, it's when Schitt's Creek started its run. And I was like, oh, that's just like the courtyard of where Jimmy Kimmel is. I didn't realize he was in the Staples Center. And when my wife's like, no, they're in Canada, I'm like, oh, I should have realized that. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it ran better than I think it would have been because I felt like so everyone kind of knew like, Hey, our speeches aren't, can't be that long because God knows when the Wi-Fi is going to crap out. Um, and like, we're tight on time. And I thought everyone just, the presentation itself was just fun. They made it fun as, uh, Rami Youssef, uh, tweeted out, like they had people like looking like they were in spacesuits. Like we had an episode of Dr. Who, holding Emmys and if you didn't win statuettes and if you didn't win, they walked away and it was really sad. And I'm sad that Robin Yusuf did not win. I'm always pulling for a Jersey guy. Um, but I thought the wins were some, there were some surprises. There was a little bit of predict the Emmy, you know, streak predictability. Uh, but honestly, like, yeah, it was a much more fun show than I think I've seen in any Emmys in the last few years. Uh, Kimmel's jokes, didn't always work for me. I did appreciate that Jason Sudeikis came out to Susudio. Um, it just was very random and kind of fitting at the same time. But yeah, the host jokes didn't play as always, but I felt like it, it worked uh, pretty well for what it was. And it was an enjoyable, um, uh, you know, award season experience as opposed to previous years where it's just kind of like this very sloggy, boring affair, the boring. Emmys, at least in my opinion. Let's. Uh... Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to do comedy bits in front of a giant empty auditorium, uh, (laughs) which is what they were asked to do. And I think that uh, most of the comedy bits didn't really land, but there was like, luckily not that many. um, And the show kind of moved along pretty swiftly anyway. So I do kind of, but I think the highlight of the, all of the, uh, all of the bits was really started out strong in the first moment when uh, first award of the night Kimmel was with uh, Jennifer Aniston, a star of the morning show. Uh, and they gave out an award and they had this whole bit where he was going to spray the envelope with a ton of uh, Lysol um, spray to disinfect it and then put it in a trash can and set it on fire. And then of course, because uh, they doused it with something extremely flammable they couldn't get the fire to go out really oh my god <laughs> oh yeah that's it multiple attempts uh and you could like hear somebody like off stage being like no you have to put it out you have to put it out <laughs> which that's is uh I, I think it was kind of you know it was downhill from there as far as the comedy bits went but you know they were pretty brief and what was nice is that uh instead of like a lot of uh, a lot of like uh celebrities making bad jokes they also like interspersed these uh, pre-taped testimonials with people who have been affected by the coronavirus, like 
teachers and uh, farmers and first responders and doctors. And uh, they were able to kind of talk a little bit about what their experience has been like and also get to read out some winners. And I thought that was a really nice touch um, to try to make sure that it wasn't a completely tone deaf evening, given all of the crazy terrible things that have been happening in this country over the last few months. And I thought that actually my favorite actually one was knew, the teacher. Were you knew one of the people talking? Which one? Yeah. The, um, the, was it, was there a nurse? There was a nurse who spoke or a former nurse? I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I can pull up her name in a second. She actually, uh, spoke at an event at one of my, uh, my, my last company that I was working for. And I met her and she's super, super nice. And, uh, uh, her story is amazing, and I was like, we, we, my friend texted me because I, of course, was not watching the Emmys. I was watching it on Twitter, and uh, she sent me the picture, and she's like, oh my god, she's on, she's at the Emmys right now. I was like, wow, I actually know that person. So that was was she cool. was she the person who was on the? She was like almost like like she was in a park on a bench. She was like a yeah. little younger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She had, oh yeah, she was talking about how she she was, um, she had COVID and like how scary it was and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a very powerful moment. Uh, I also was, I really loved uh, the UPS driver and the teacher. I thought they were both like great personalities, but also had these like really wonderful kind of heartwarming and like kind of, you know, I gotta say it made me a little misty, but it kind of did, you know, just kind of like these people who, you know, are doing good in the world and want to do better, want to make the world a better place. And whether it's building packages for, you know, people or teaching kids. I mean, it was, it was, it was like Alex, like you said, it was like, you know, to not be a tone deaf event, which it, you know, many of these awards can be at times. Yeah. They uh, did also another, a couple of other, okay. Sorry. Yeah. A couple of other bits that they did that were pre-taped was like, apparently they, uh, like they sponsored the whole event. Uh, like they sold a sponsorship to Kia and it was like the Emmys brought to you by Kia and like they were bragging about how they were using the Kia cars to deliver the Emmys to each of the winners homes yeah. and it was just I don't know I felt like can't the Emmys do a little bit better than Kia and like no disrespect to Kia you know they make a solid car but like I don't like was Nissan not answering their calls I don't know <laughs> uh, yeah or like BMW or anything else well you know that's that's the Oscars the yeah Oscars that's BMWs, but like, I feel like Emmys could have gotten a little bit better than Kia. <laughs> Kia sold a bad card. Plymouth, <laughs> get the Dodge Dart. <laughs> yeah. We've gone to the um, junkyard. Here's a K car. Drive it out. Here's an Eagle let's, Talon. Let's talk about one of the. I, I per, for me personally, one of the better aspects of the Emmys was the uh, the overall domination in the comedy category by Schitt's Creek. I love the show obsessed um like most of the world who has discovered it uh whether you know that was you know through netflix or you know through the pop channel which i didn't know existed until um schitt's creek was uh was on i knew about uh, it because uh, there was wrestling on it for a few years there you go of course um nerd it's you know it's um it's one of the rare comedies that gets better each and every season um with an, just an, like another show that was uh, uh, nominated but uh, was uh, didn't it went home awardless was uh, the Good Place, which I, th- I I thought if anything could beat Shit's Creek, it would be the final season of the Good Place. Mm. Um, I just think people are just so uh, not in a good place right now and just oh just completely <laughs> ignore. <laughs> and you know what I mean. 
Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, Alex would love to hear your take on, uh, you know, the, the overall sweep of, of, of Shit's Creek. Um, did you think all of those, uh, awards were, you know, deserved? Well, so it's no, like, I want the audience to understand that this is a historic event in Emmy's history. Uh, the, the Shit's Creek won all seven major categories. It won best actor, best supporting actor, best actress, best supporting actress, uh, best direction, best writing and best series. And, uh, there has only ever been one other show in the history of the Emmys that has won all seven of those categories. Uh, and that was in the miniseries category for angels in America, which of course is a historic, uh adaptation of maybe asked. like one of the best plays of all time yeah no was, yeah, no show yeah. outside of that has ever gotten anything close to a full sweep like that so it's kind of insane uh that that Shit's creek got yeah. this yeah but i think that it's kind of nice i like i'm one of those people who uh definitely started watching the show during quarantine Same. and uh I think it's a it's a solid show. I think there's better shows in this category for sure. I think there's shows that are kind of pushing the limits on the half hour form and all the different types of things that you can do with that format. Shows like Rami and Insecure are really kind of plumbing the depths of their soul and really telling interesting uh, interpersonal stories that are both very dramatic and emotional and also very funny and uh, very relatable. Um, a show like The Good Place, I think, is doing something that like no one's ever done before, which is trying to create a, a serialized sitcom out of philosophy. And that's just incredible. And they were able to pull it off and tell their whole story like they wanted to. And so I think there's a lot of there's been a ton of innovation in this field. And I think that it ultimately makes sense that the Emmy voters uh, who most likely this is probably the first year that all of the voters actually watched most of the shows because they've had nothing else to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that it makes sense that they kind of fell back on, uh, you know, like a normal sort of traditional sitcom with a family and a wacky premise and kind of a nice, lovely, gooey center to it, which is something that we all kind of need right now. So I kind I of I think that it's. It's sort of insane that Schitt's Creek is getting this honor that no other show before it has. But I completely get it. And, I mean, I wish that they could have sh shared the love a little bit. But I don't necessarily disagree with any, like, one particular award that they won. It was just a matter of, like, you know. Mm -hmm. it was no, I, the, If it was ever going to happen, it was going to be this year. I totally agree. It was their, you know, it was their, you know, swan song final season. It makes total sense. And like, I have no actual problems with, I mean, listen, the acting across the board in Schitt's Creek is like the reason you go to the show, right? I mean, the writing and the acting for that show is, you know, I don't think there's another show comedy wise that's on their level, the amount of talent that is involved. And you got two, you know, two veterans with two almost no one nobodies before that show like dan dan levy and i uh, the girl who plays alexis i don't remember her name off the top of my head I'm sure uh alex knows it but like <laughs> they were just instant rock stars when it came to that show and dan levy is like a savant and had his you know co-created the show wrote all the thing you know wrote all the episodes and directing things like that thank you so totally get that the only thing that I would say is best writing for a comedy. Not one, not two, but three different nominations for what we do in the shadows. 
including On the Run, which is the probably the best episode of comedic television I watched in whatever this was, 2019, 2020. That's the only qualm I have. Like, I absolutely adore it. Like, that episode is phenomenal. And I don't know if you guys are both caught up with what we do in the shadows. And I if mean, you agree, of course I'm not. Of course you're not. But Alex, do you watch what we do in the shadows? I... I honestly do not, and I feel like I okay. need to rectify that because people keep telling me how funny it oh, is. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's a weird blind spot for me. Yeah. The movie is phenomenal. I love the movie. Taika Waititi directed it. Uh, Jermaine Clement's in it, obviously. Great movie. And I was like, how are they going to do this as a TV show? The TV show's better. It's insane. And again, it's just like a bunch of actors that you've never really seen before just all firing on all cylinders. And that episode specifically, which has Mark Hamill as a guest star, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is like, I don't know. I can't, I, like, if someone says, like, what is your comedic sense of humor? I would show them this episode. Like, that's what I love about it. So that's the only, like, um, problem I had with Schitt's Creek uh, sweeping everything. And I could, I could say, like, oh man, it sucks that The Good Place didn't get any wins during its final season. But it got a ton of nominations. It's a critically acclaimed show. It's fine, but I wish what we do that what we do what we do in the shadows won something so more people can discover it. You know what I mean? I think it. I think it. I mean, yeah. n- not like I know anything, but if I had to like prognosticate, I would say that that show, since its second season has ended, has gotten more traction. Um, mm-hmm. It's got great word of mouth in season two. Um, the Emmy nominations will help. And the fact there was a huge like WTF about like why this didn't get any wins. Um, I think also spoke, uh, spoke volumes about the show. And I think you're going to see for season three, a lot more people tuning in and uh, yeah. especially with FX now having some of that uh, Disney cache and that Disney cash. Mm, look at the word yeah. play. Um, not even drunk. Uh, and, I think you're going to see that season three is going to get a huge uh, promotional push because that's going to be a, a flagship show for FX. Um, I'm a little sad that a good place didn't win anything. I never watched the show, but I I've just heard from so many people who I trust. I heard from you, mm-hmm. Al, Alex. I think you've put it over. One of my best friends, Andrew, has put it yeah. over. My other best friend, Vic, has put it over. Like, like the fact that didn't walk away in its last season with something. I was, I was convinced that the acting would go to Shit's Creek. But I'm like, okay, writing or directing, I think they'll give one of these to the good place. And yeah. I'm yeah, a little surprised they didn't. The, I think the reason I think the reason why is just because like the good place is a show that is heavily serialized. So you're either in it or you're not in it, right? Correct. Right. And, and I think that yeah, that shit, people who like the show out. really like it. Yeah, the people who like the show really like it, but people who haven't seen it, I think it's I think the people who haven't seen it is a much bigger pool than the people who have. And I think that's why it's a show that gets a lot of nominations every year because it's made by people that everybody like and it's and they know that they do good work. I don't think it ever it didn't ever get an actual win at the Emmys and I think that's why. Um which is too bad. I mean, you know, the ending of the series definitely made me cry hysterically and I'm just like, yes, mm-hmm. please let me this is the end for all of us um but you know i think that also the emmys are still kind of like a little old-fashioned and this year they were a little bit let they shook some of their normal uh annoying traits but their their biggest one is that if they can find a traditional sort of uh story that they like to reward they will reward it to try to encourage people to make more of them and this is Shit's creek 
for being on pop and being uh, like discovered by people on Netflix. Ultimately, it's a very traditional sort of television show that Hollywood has been making for decades. And they want to reward that. Just like when This Is Us came out, they wanted to reward This Is Us mm-hmm. that first year because they want yeah. they want to see more of that out there. And uh, I think that's ultimately why they ended up doing it. Um, and, you know, they're also really nice people. Dan Levy's really cool. He was very nice enough to actually... Uh, when he won his writing award, he uh, shouted out Issa Rae and Insecure, who were snubbed from that category. And um, I thought that was very that was very big of him to do that. Uh, very classy. So yeah, I think um, I think that it's crazy that this show will now live in infamy. It's also sort of crazy that uh, <laughs> Pop as a network uh, has no executive has canceled or ended all of its tele- uh, creative original programming yeah. and yet won nine Emmys this yeah. year. It's kind of like insane. Wow. It basically isn't going to in the next uh, year or so. And yet, you know, it was a huge winner. So that That's Netflix crazy. really wishes that taking credit for that win. Cause I think it definitely deserves at least part of that 100%. credit. I've never heard anything like that since um, remember when Julie Louise Dreyfus won for the show that she was on, and it got canceled. The New Adventures of Old Christine. <laughs> yeah, which was like, a, which is a, a, a fun show to watch. I enjoyed that. Yeah, because that's when she was just on her like crazy win streak of like a, you know a thousand Emmys in a row. Uh, but that's the last time I heard of something like weird like that. Like, oh yeah, you know, we just won all these wars, but we're not doing any more of this kind of shit. That's bananas. Remember they had, um, remember they had <laughs> Swedish dicks. Uh, yeah, because Pop is a. Uh... <laughs> Pop is part of the Viacom family of cable networks, um, mm-hmm. and Viacom recently merged with CBS and has been going through a lot of corporate restructuring, and they basically decided to kill the network um, in everything but name. <laughs> so it's just really crazy to see that that it would have such a good night at the Emmys. I would also like to give major props to Dan Levy for wearing a kilt. As someone who owns a kilt and tries to use it and mention it as often as I can to return on the investment that I made 15 years ago, um, I'm always a big fan of anyone who can rock a kilt in public. Um, but I'm really interested to see what he and this cast are going to, what, what he's going to do next for writing. Do next, that's yeah. that's going to be, that's going to be a massive, like high profile project. I didn't watch Coastal Elites cause that just looked, that which he started and that just looked, I don't know, didn't look in my wheelhouse. Alex, did you watch that? What was that? I you uh, cut out for a second. Coastal Elites that was on HBO. He's Dan Levy's in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did not watch that. It got kind of um, terrible reviews. It didn't but look Dan good. Levy was supposed to be pretty good in it. Yeah, yeah. Dan Levy was considered the highlight from the reviews that I read. But Dan Levy actually has a uh, a huge overall deal that he signed at ABC um, that's going to be starting up soon. So you're going to see him a lot. He's going to be making a lot of content for network television coming up and. Um, you know, I think that's, that's good to hear. That's exciting. That's why, we have Alex, that's why we have Alex on the podcast. He's also a good Twitter follow. Um, that's why I have Alex on the podcast because he knows the inside baseball TV. There you go. Um, let's talk about another, uh, another, another show that won a few awards, uh, a show that Bill and I have sung the praises of, um, and we thought probably should have won every single award if given uh, the chance. Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen adaptation, uh, came uh, came away with a few awards. Bill uh, or Alex, I don't remember the exact number, but I remember uh, Regina King winning 
deservedly so. Um, she is just crushing it during award season. And now I hear that um, she's got a an upcoming directorial debut that's got a they lot of really well. uh, Oscar buzz now. Yep. That's got Oscar buzz as well, so that's great. Uh, Watchmen won for Best Limited Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won Best best Actress and, I believe, Best Supporting Actor or Best, best Actor? Best Supporting that's Actor. Correct. And yeah, I believe they won a Best Director or a Best and Writer. Best, no, they, they missed few. out on Director. They won Writing. No one writing. writing. I couldn't remember which. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember which one. Uh, unorthodox one for best director. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lead actress. Well, limited series. I hate. I, to, I hate to break it to no, you, Al. And, that and supporting actor. the spoiler here is that Alex wrote three reviews for Watchmen for us. Uh, one of some of his first writing for us, and he and I have waxed poetic about this series on the, the TV Break podcast, which you're, if you're not there subscribed you to, is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and uh google podcasts and you can look it under pop break tv uh alex you love Watchmen, or you at least enjoy Watchmen greatly um were you surprised this did not do a clean sweep um well you know it was an extremely competitive category i was surprised that unorthodox was the one that got the directing slot i thought that if you were gonna go with writing or directing i would have thought that they would have gotten directing for that incredible episode that Stephen um williams directed it's truly incredible the the episode where um if you haven't seen the show a character sort of spends the whole episode oh. living through another person's memories and it's just incredible um Amazing. but unfortunately totally. watchmen kind of I, it's it seems like there may have been some vote splitting because there was a couple of watchmen episodes that were nominated for directing and uh, sadly they may have canceled each other out. I want to just let you know that overall for the entire Emmys, both creative arts and the prime time, like the primetime events that we watched, uh, Watchmen won 11. And that is the most for any net for any show, um, across the board. So that is yeah. uh, pretty notable as well. And I think it's deserved because they were the show of the year. If you listen to uh, TV breaks, Emmy uh, prediction episode, you'll know that we named it our TV program of the year. <laughs> so yes, we we're, we're big fans of it. And uh, yeah, I think it was great. I loved seeing uh, I loved seeing Yaya Abdul Mateen win. I thought that was really cool. He gave a very very nice acceptance speech. Wore a very very nice suit. I was very excited about that. Um, and yeah, I mean Regina King, she was up against Kate Blanchett in yeah. Mrs. America, and that was really I, I really wasn't sure how that was going to go. They both gave really incredible performances. They're both Oscar winners. It's a lot. It and uh, I was very I, that was how I would have gone with regina king and it's notable that regina king has won an oscar or an emmy in all each of the last five years now so she's pretty incredible um and she's like a national talent and i'm just so glad that she keeps making content for us i'm very excited to see her directorial debut it's supposed to be very good yeah i, I, I will say i was surprised at oh, the sorry. uh the nostalgia i'll just call it the nostalgia episode because that's the drug that uh angela avar's character takes i am surprised that did not win because but like you said alex that is there were so many episodes that were up from this series. I'm surprised that Mrs. America only took like I thought that's for Miss was Miss Miss Mrs. America nominated for direction, or is it just three? Was it four Watchmen and one Unorthodox? Uh, I don't have the nominations in front of me, but I, I think that they were def, I think that they were um, in play. They did get a nomination. They did get a win for right, Uzo Aduba yeah. for. Um, for playing, yeah, for playing the the first uh, the first uh, 
female and African-American woman to run for president, Shirley Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is incredible on this series. She's so good. That is this show that is filled to the brim with incredible uh, performances so. uh, by incredible character actresses. And um, she like deserved it at least as much as everyone else did, if not more. Uh, her episode is like the third episode of the se- of the season, and it's sort of a it's sort of a spotlight episode on her character. And I've been recommending people just watch it, even if they haven't watched the rest of the show, because she's just incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, so I really I'm very happy that they got that win at least. Um, but when you run up into a into a juggernaut like Watchmen, it's it's hard to uh, to to fight back. You know, I mean, it's like. I would not disagree. Like Watchmen is definitely a better show than Mrs. America in pretty much every aspect. So I think that they both deserved to be nominated and Watchmen deserved to win in every, in every category it did. I've not seen unorthodox. I was so just going to really weigh in on that, that win or not. Yeah. It's, I, it was, you know, it's a short show. It's a show that I wanted to get around to watching, but it also seemed like a very heavy show and just never kind of could put myself in a position to watch it. But, um, but yeah, I, I've heard really great things, and I think that that's a nice uh, upset win as far as the few upset wins that we had. Not my favorite upset win of the night, though. I'll say that as a tease <laughs> later. Oh, I think I, I think I know which one that is. Um, but it's crazy that you, if you think about it. Like the two, the one, the series, the limited series that took the most awards home, and the one that set history, we're not getting any more seasons of. With speaking of Watchmen and Shit's Creek, there's there's no more. So it's not like we have like the predictability of previous Emmys where it's just like, okay, well, Game of Thrones is back next year. They'll run the table or Veep is back next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously just print a new one for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Like, so it, mm-hmm. it'll be, it, the next year's Emmys are going to definitely be uh, very interesting. Well, it's funny because like, yeah, I the, think I was going to say the, the, the comedy, the, yeah, the comedy, the comedy section especially is, is a totally like, who knows what's going to happen next year. Mm-hmm. I think drama with succession uh, is probably going to be a big player again yeah. uh, for the next few years. Um, I would say normally that this maybe will give uh, a time to shine for Brooklyn nine, nine, but I don't see how that's going to work out no. next year. I mean, I don't even know if they know what they're doing next year in terms of uh, how they're reacting to uh, what is going on in the world in terms of, uh, you know, the state of police, but I would normally say that 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 Mike Sure show uh, can finally get its due, um, you know. Besides uh, Adrian Brower, who gets the, the, the occasion, Andre Brower, who gets the occasional nomination. Um, I do want to say b- before we get off the Watchmen, um, you know, the Watchmen subject, I will say that Louis Gossett Jr. I think may have deserved the Emmy more. Here is. I know it's nope. a cold take, but I'm going to tell you why. He's in it more. And every scene he's in, he crushes, right? And I feel like I love, uh, I'm going to say, is Yaya? Yeah, Yaya. 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 He was amazing in it. and But you really only get, like, what, two super strong episodes with him? Whereas the I think the Lewis Gossett Jr. stuff may have been stronger. It just gets kind of overshadowed. You know, his performance, uh, Yaya's performance was phenomenal. And I get it. But it's it is definitely a supporting. Whereas I feel like Lewis Gossett, Lewis Gossett Jr.'s performance is like really strong throughout, just like Regina King's is throughout. I don't know. That's that's my take. It might be a cold take. I again, regardless, I'm happy to see Watchmen win awards. 
<laughs> I listen. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take awards out of uh, Lou Gossett Jr.'s hands. If if they had given it to him, I wouldn't complain. Yeah. But I think that Yaya Abdul-Mateen had a role that was impossible to play, and he Completely. made it into yeah. an incredibly human and like compelling. Uh, performance like I think that that level of difficulty was tremendous and he cleared the bar in a way that I don't think anybody was really even people who loved him and really liked his work on like Aquaman and things like that I don't think anybody was expecting him to be able to pull off the impossible of of playing a character like that you know I mean I think that character uh, speaking of another winner um, of the night Billy Crudup that Uh, character kind of ate Billy Crudup alive in Watchmen the movie (laughs) you know and uh, so I think that you got to give it to him for that at least alone there was a great tweet by the way that someone someone said at like at 10.05 p.m. Dr. Manhattan wins an Emmy uh, at 10:15 p.m., Doctor Manhattan wins an Emmy, and I'm just like, I'm like, that is, um, that is, that is, that is truly, that is truly a humorous observation, which is my bastardization yes. of a stepbrother's line. Um, that was real quick. I retweeted that because I was like, that is the best tweet ever. That was Eric Goldman who tweeted that, which I probably uh, saw it because you retweeted it, and which seems yeah. to be my mo of sending you things on my timeline <laughs> that you retweeted. I'm like, um, hey, there's a new Shin song coming out, and you're like, no shit, yeah. I retweeted that. I'm like. Oh. I was gonna make the joke when you said cleared a bar. I thought you were gonna say I was gonna say cleared a bar or a bar. Oh, uh, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got to rewatch Watchmen. I'm so excited to watch that again. Um, so let's get into I guess snubs and surprises, right? So uh, you already kind of mentioned one, which was uh, a lot of people were surprised about Billy Kudrup uh, winning for um, the morning show. The morning show. I'm not surprised, by the way, because that he is my favorite part of the morning show. I haven't finished the morning show yet, but we started it during quarantine, and I love him in that because he's basically like this like crazy <laughs> lunatic character that's super unpredictable. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's he, he's rocking it. He's he's the only reason why you should watch that show. Um, I wish that they would just release yeah. a special kind of like supercut of just his scenes and i would just make everybody i know watch it because he's just incredible he's just as like insane agent of chaos uh who's maybe the devil and he's just so excellent he's just on another level from what everyone else is doing yeah i 100 percent my my big surprise that i was really excited about is well it's basically like it's twofold it's a best uh lead actor and best lead actress in a drama which was uh zendaya and uh and jeremy strong for successions and for euphoria i was just so convinced that there was no way that that could happen just because the emmys are the emmys and i thought you know in the best lead actor jeremy strong was up against brian cox who really should have been in supporting but they have a million supporting actors in succession so i get why they put him in lead but it just seemed like such a classic emmy move to be like oh yeah well he's like older and he's like more established and we want to celebrate him so we're going to give it to him even though jeremy strong gave maybe the performance of the year on television in that season of, of of succession and so that was just such a shock and surprise i was very excited about and then zendaya who is so excellent on euphoria a show that i have a lot of mixed feelings about but it's undeniable that that show could not work without her in it and without her giving just a tremendous performance like a iconic like generation defining performance and 
it's just not the thing that the Emmys ever awards. They don't nominate uh, people from teen shows. They don't give younger actresses awards like this. It's just, it's a major Golden Globe move and the Golden Globes didn't even nominate her. Yep. And so I was convinced, I mean, if you listen to our Emmy prediction, Matt kind of stood up for her a little bit, Matt Taylor, who came on the show uh, to talk about Emmys. And I basically batted him down. He's like, there's just no way the Emmys are going to do this. And I could not have been happier to be wrong. So that was that was a big surprise. Those were my two big happy surprises. You know who I said, you know who said could uh, she had a chance? This guy, old Beardy over here. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I watched Euphoria too. Uh, not of my own volition. My wife was obsessed with the show, so we watched it. And she was incredible. The finale alone is like her performance in that is just absolutely devastating and incredible and memorable. Like you said, a, a generational type performance. I was also stunned that she won. Can I remember who she was up against? No, I can't. No, oh, Laura Linney. That's who I thought. I thought it was going to be Laura Linney for Ozark. And I thought Ozark was going to, you know, clean up a little bit more, but it did not. Um, I thought Laura Linney had it in the bag, but Zendaya winning, right call in my opinion absolutely and same with jeremy strong i also thought it was going to be everyone's favorite character actor brian cox but um do you first hannibal lecter but hey man you gave it to the right person jeremy strong is amazing in succession uh shout out to former guest matt taylor who is basically is an unpaid um goodwill ambassador for succession if you haven't watched succession yet al um get on that i think you'll really enjoy it. i know I think, I know, I think you'd really list. like it. I started watching it. Should it should be and at I the top it. of your list. I know. Really good. I know. I started I watching better. it. I actually the first, the first season, I think, kind of takes a few episodes to kind of really get yeah. into itself. And But season two is just just like excellence, just pure excellence. Four yeah. on the floor, man. It won, it won an Emmy, as it should. That was an, That is <laughs> mind-blowing episode. Yeah. You just sit there with your – I so, sat there with my mouth agape the whole time watching that episode. Not surprised that it dominated. It, you know, you could learn everything you need to know about, like, the upper crust of America by watching Boar on the Floor, let me tell you. <laughs> not, um, not, not wrong at all. <laughs> Holy shit. Just going going through the wins, for me, I didn't see a lot of huge... I mean, you, you know, you. I, I, think, I think you guys pretty much nailed it in terms of, like, the big ones. And Daya definitely was just like, a, oh, my God, that's huge a huge win for her and obviously she does it's deservedly so I, I just i have to take this time to voice my opinion against the emmys again for not giving a nomination oh better call saul is legitimately my favorite show on television you know who else loves and better call saul i believe alex marcus does alex, i do i love it a lot yeah ray seahorn I know. How? It's, How? It's because How? it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen That's because why. she gives the type because she gives the type of performance that is excellent when you watch like 13 episodes of a TV show. But she gives the type of performance that is just when like the way that Emmy submissions work is that actors submit one episode of a show and they say this is my performance for the year I'm submitting for it. And she does so much subtle character work that if you're not ingrained into like what in tune to what the character is doing and what is happening around her, you're just not going to appreciate it on the level that if you're watching her every week, you appreciate it. She does such subtle, small acting. And it's just the Emmy voters are just never going to appreciate that, unfortunately. I think we I just hate, have to be peace with it. I hate how accurate that is. 
I could probably pick a couple episodes out specifically from this season where she was just firing on all cylinders, especially like the penultimate episode. And I would even say the finale too. Just, there's just so many great moments in both of those episodes. Um, I, I don't know, man. I think, I think they should just retroactively give her five Emmys. <laughs> like, why not? Yeah. Why not? I think she deserves it. She'll get them when uh, Carrie Russell gets hers for the Americans. Very similar performance, very similar uh, snubs. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's that's fair. I just, I love her in that role. And again, I can't can't see how in a world where Giancarlo Esposito gets a nomination and she doesn't. And he's, I I can probably tell you that he does the same thing that you just described. Yeah, but uh, people know the character, though. That's why. Last year way, though, I think. I think Giancarlo Esposito is doing something very... It's it's very... Uh-huh. It's in line with a lot of the sort of... Uh, the sort of uh, tradition of this kind of, like, actor who is... Who's, he's, like, downplaying, but he's, like, being very physically imposing. Like, there's a lot of history of that sort of character in, mm-hmm. like, film and television that people can, like, glue into right away. And it's just, like, he was on Breaking Bad, and Breaking Bad at a certain point just caught fire and everybody watched Breaking Bad. And I yeah. think that the awards nominations that he's gotten for Better Call Saul are because of Breaking Bad. Same. And unfortunately, Rhea Seahorn doesn't have that advantage. And I think that that's... And, it's, you know, I mean... It's incredibly... The Television Academy is still, you know, it's it's progressive in a lot of areas, but the voting body is still mostly older white men and i think that that might also have to a little bit to do with why they don't always appreciate a subtle performance by a, by an actress um just putting that out there as well not right i say i'm gonna tell you right now without spoiling anything the ways the last season ends with her character i think we are gonna get a more explosive season out of her the next season and i think this is it i think this is the year it has to be. It's possible. I mean, we saw, we've seen in the last few years, the Emmys kind of pick a show after a number of seasons have aired and finally elevate it. Schitt's Creek is a show like that. The Americans is a show like that. So I think it's possible that in its last season, it could get more attention than it has previously. But I wouldn't put your hopes up on it. I I'm think put, that uh, I'm going to put, I'm going to put my hopes up. <laughs> there's an, I'm gonna Alex, you don't know Al. He is a, he is a hopes up type of dude. I'm going to start campaigning <laughs> now for the performance that she hasn't done yet. Listen, Matt Taylor did it yeah, a year ago for Succession. <laughs> you just started now, yeah. so we're good. There um, you go. Um, can, I, can I just, I guess, ask a wrap-up question? Um, yeah, a future, a future, I was just going to say. A future question. So, Alex, we, we, we lost two heavy hitters in the comedy realm. Um, we still, you know, Succession is still a, a young show. We For limited series, obviously, those are all wiped out. What do you think are going to be the the big contenders? Like, what is going to be the what Succession was last year, last Emmys? You know, it's like, oh, watch out for this show. That's going to be the show to watch for. It's going to win a whole bunch of Emmys. What do you think are shows that are going to be on people's radars for next year? Obviously, it's a weird TV year, but what do you think is going to be like? The, what are those shows right now? Yeah, well, you know, it's actually not as weird of a TV year as it is a film year. They've, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of a slowdown now, especially with the network shows and things like that. A lot of reality shows, a lot of game shows. Not as as big of a gap as we're used, that we're seeing in the movies, for sure. So Mm -hmm. I I think that 
I think I May Destroy You has a real strong chance of coming in like uh, Fleabag did a year ago and just running through those comedy categories. It certainly deserves to, and is I would that be very limited, upset if it didn't. Or um, is that going to be a regular series? Um, it's not as, like, they really have been cagey about uh, where they would classify it because yeah. they said, like, if she wants to make more, she can make more. Typically, half hours don't go into limited. Like, even a show like Fleabag, which was sort of a limited, it was kind of, it had two seasons, but it right. was really a limited series. If Big Little Lies is a limited series, so is Fleabag. Um, and I think that that has a really strong chance of competing in the half hour category if I had to put my money on something. But what I would say is uh, the we probably haven't seen it yet. And it's probably from Netflix because Netflix is uh, kind of really searching for the its Emmy wins. Like it has been kind of a, always a bridesmaid, never a bride sort of deal um, in both the Oscars and the Emmys. And I think they're finally going to find something that uh, they can that can get over the finish line they it's notable this year they got um they had 160 nominations uh the the runner-up was hbo with 107 nominations uh but the winners ended up being hbo with 30 and netflix with 21 and netflix took home only one award um on the actual telecast and i think they're sick of it and i, I would not be surprised if they make a big push in the half hour category now that there is an opening or in limited series i could see them they do a lot of limited series work i could see them doing it there too so that's my prediction yeah the limited series that by canceling shit right Netflix. away <laughs> I, I have a i actually have a wrap-up question for alex too because I, I think um, his points have been extremely insightful um so far and uh this is this one's near and dear to my heart literally as close as humanly possible um with watchmen winning and the superhero genre finally getting some notice with the uh, with the Emmys. Do you think we're going to see more, especially with the high quality superhero programs that we've had? I feel like they missed the boat with Legion, um, yeah. but something like Umbrella Academy, The Boys, a lot of this like high quality indie comics and you know more of like mature audience comics that have been adapted do you think we're going to see a trend of that stuff finally getting more nominations or do you think watchmen was just kind of like a fluke you know an anomaly seismic event. A, anomaly like more of a more of an you know uh you know just it's right place right time right show kind of i thing. so I think that the talent behind the scenes is definitely co like correlating co around elevating superhero shows for sure. I think that that is something that is true and observable. I think that Watchmen was benefited by the fact that it had HBO as a prestige brand behind it. It had Dame Lindelof as a guy who has been around the TV Academy for a long time, lost one uh, best uh, uh, drama series uh, one year at the Emmys. A, a lot of a lot of familiarity with that. I think that Re Regina King, as we said, is an Emmy favorite at this point. So I think that it had a lot in its favor that a show like The Boys or even a show like WandaVision, which certainly... Uh, if you watch the telecast, premiered Ooh, a, a really wild trailer. Very wild. <laughs> uh, shows like those shows don't have that same sort of pedigree that Watchmen did, which kind of helped it get in the in the same way that like Black Panther, when it got nominated and it won uh, those M those Oscars, it it's from Disney, it's from Marvel, but it had an incredible like award-winning cast behind it. It had Ryan Coogler who kind of like knocked at the door a couple of times for Oscar before before that year. And so I think that that helps as well. So I don't necessarily 
see anything in the immediate horizon that is likely to get like the Emmy uh, night that Watchmen had. But I think that, you know, fast forwarding three, four, five years from now, could this happen again? Absolutely. I mean, Game of Thrones became a juggernaut and that was a fantasy show. And before Game of Thrones won, it was considered impossible for a fantasy show to win an Emmy, never mind become an Emmy's juggernaut. So anything is possible. The network, uh, like the, the TV landscape keeps changing, keeps leaning more and more towards the big budget blockbuster model of television. Um, and so could it happen again? I think absolutely. Will it happen next year? Probably not. I will make my prediction that really bad and i'm gonna be super wrong but i will make my prediction <laughs> that uh i don't think it'll be next year because i don't think it's even in production yet i think it's in pre-production um netflix's adaptation of neil G- uh, gaiman's sandman oh that could be aren't they doing the audio version think, too uh that is uh, audible audible yeah. so netflix is the actual they're doing the actual adaptation. I don't think it's even been casted yet. So, like, in the sense that it's probably a few years away, but I think that could potentially be with the amount of money, um, star power that's going to be attracted to it. I mean, if you look at the voice cast for the Audible one, it's 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 like every British actor ever. I wonder if they'll bring in some of those people to, you know. I mean, this at one point was going to be directed or, like, written and directed or uh, by Justin Gordon-Levitt. Like, this is a huge... This has been in development hell probably since it first came out in like the late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. just like watchmen watchmen was in development hell from uh like 85 to 2009 so you know we're finally seeing an adaptation of one of the, the greatest comic books of all time just like we did with watchmen so i think if anything you got the netflix and um you know the pedigree so that 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 has potential so that's my uh my prediction uh but yeah let's uh you know alex that was phenomenal um you know we're gonna keep you on for the rest of the show to talk about other things um <laughs> i do have, yeah, i do uh, have three really really fast emmy points to end oh man hit us. To make them. i'll go through them really fast okay go, go, one go. was that my biggest my biggest snub was hugh jackman for bad education yes it's not only oh, my yes. favorite film of it's, it's my favorite film of the year he is incredible Who in it. Won? I truly believe it's his best performance. Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo won for a truly miserable television show. Oh, I believe that Mark Ruffalo's yeah. heart is in the right place. But that is that show that he made is literally just go on Wikipedia and look up the description. It's like mm. every bad thing that could possibly happen to a person on television happens to one of his two characters on that show. It's truly misery porn. And it's oh, very upsetting that it won. He gave a great speech. His wife seems like really cool. Um, but Hugh, Hugh Jackman gave the best performance of his career. And he was, he was robbed and the, and the highest award that he can get for that performance. So that's a real bar for me. Um, also, Real quick, uh, I thought that you guys would be interested in this, and you may have missed it. Eddie Murphy won for guest uh, actor uh, in a comedy for hosting SNL, and it's his first Emmy win in his entire career of being on television and film for forty years. Thought that was pretty pretty cool. Oh wow! Um, and finally, finally, Tyler Perry won the Governor Award, which he is did. not even an award that I remember oh. happening. Like it's not an every year sort of award, but it's like a lifetime achievement award in a way. And that felt really strange. Um, they they spent a, they had this whole pre-taped bit where where Oprah and Chris Rock talk about how excellent he is, and uh, one of the main reasons why they said he was excellent excellent was because he like 
did it his own way. And if you know anything about the way that he did it, it was by like abusing labor laws and like not uh, respecting um, proper uh, uh, labor rules in that way. Like it's just a lot of like he forces his actors to uh, to he forces his actors to work like insane hours. They shot like an entire season of television in a week this pe- a few months ago. Uh, he refuses to hire a writer's room, which is against sort of the way that the the WGA um, wants to do things. And he just kind of like blows through scripts and stuff. And and uh, he like relies a lot on people for like not it, it, he just has a long history of uh, not great labor practices that you can look into yourself. Um, and I thought it was particularly strange that that was kind of the central basis on why they were giving him a lifetime achievement award. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, and also Mandalorian uh, did yep. not win the main award that it was nominated no, no for. No way it was it. Really well. <laughs> it did do really well in the uh, in in the technical awards. It, so it, I, um, I know I it, won that for... was, it won seven awards overall. I was going to bring that up which, in, uh, which was, later, but yeah, which was tied for the third most awards of the night. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, that that would be something that our audience would be excited to hear. Yeah, man, it went well. I know some of the big ones were stunts, score, uh, special effects. And there was, I want to say cinematography. Hmm, could be wrong. Yeah, it went. It. It won a lot of technical awards. If you go yes, on like, Disney Plus, they're bragging about um, the score uh, nomination, which was totally with win, I should say, which is totally warranted. Oh, I believe absolutely. it's the same person who did Black Panther, and yes. he does a really great job. Um, and with big shoes to fill, I mean, to try to do score for a for a, a Star, Star Wars, Wars property yeah. and it not be John Williams, or that's Michael, that's really intimidating. So Michael I get Chino. it, but My, I don't think that they. I think. I think that they were probably hoping that they could brag about something that has a little bit more cachet than original score in a drama. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, still, we'll it's be- a lot. They're, they're, for, a brand new, for a brand new streaming service, uh, that's to be able to say that they had the, the third mm-hmm. most wins for any TV show. That's a pretty big deal for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. We'll be talking a little bit more about Mandalorian in a bit, but... Uh, guys, it's time for me to sing on the podcast because it's time for music in a time of quarantine. Al, what's your sung live every week and completely not necessary, but um, nope, why not? Not even a little. Save uh, Lucas yeah, time. So, yeah, uh, music in a time of quarantine. Music that you are uh, a fan of that you're listening to to try to get you through this terrible, terrible pandemic experience that we are all living through. Uh, could be something new, brand new, like I, uh, you know, something that I talked about last week, which was Phoenix. Ah, got him in there, yeah, uh, or something old, week. like uh, you know, um, Bankrupt by Phoenix. God damn awesome. it, Al. <laughs> That's a dumb, that's Listen a to other bands. Super. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex, we'll start with you. What have you been listening to lately? What What's a, a song or an album that uh, that you are digging at the moment? I'm excited to hear Alex's yeah, music so, takes. <laughs> well, if you know me, you know that I'm much more of a podcast listener than a music listener these days. Um, but the music, I have two songs. One that's like not exactly new, but newer. And one that's a classic that I wanted to bring up. Uh, that really kind of just captures like the feelings that I'm feeling right now. And uh, I'll listen to in the car sometimes when I'm alone and need to need to be in my feelings. Um, and the first one is uh, Solo by Frank Ocean off of his Blonde album. Um, and it's just because there's like this there's this lyric in it. Like overall, it's a song about, uh, you know, kind of like it ca- what it does really well is that it captures the feeling of like a long, lonely night in the city. 
um, which is just really a, a personal kind of memory that I have that I really kind of like to revisit from time to time, uh, having lived in the city for a number of years. And it has this set of lyrics that just really, uh, it feels like it's just describing 2020 over and over again. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it real quick. It's, I'm not going to sing it, though. Uh, I mean, but you it's, should. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but it, it goes like this. It says, it's hell on earth and the city's on fire. In hell, in hell, there's heaven. There's a bull and matador dueling in the sky. In hell, in hell, there's heaven. And uh, yeah, I just kind of feel like that's how the world feels right now. And I like that there's this kind of sense of like appreciating the the beauty and the meaning in the chaos of everything um, as like these titans sort of weigh heavily on all of our on all of our thoughts and uh yeah so i really like that song um and the other song is by prince and the revolution from his purple rain album and it's let's go crazy yeah uh good one is, <laughs> good song i think that it's i think it's a beautiful song um I don't, my understanding is that it sort of like has a different reputation from like culturally than my personal relationship with it. Um, but I find it really powerful because I just think that it's like, it's a song that's about living in the moment and raging against our inevitable deaths with joy. And I just think that it's just really something that we should all appreciate. And like, there's the moment in it where he's kind of talking about uh, how like, you know, um, Instead of asking uh, your doctor how much your time is left, you should ask how much of your mind, because in this life, things are much harder than in, a, in the afterworld. And in this life, you're on your own. And if the elevator tries to bring you down, you should go crazy. And uh, it just like always makes me cry, which I don't think is what I'm supposed to feel. But it really, I find it very powerful. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's crazy. It, well, crazy. Jesus Christ, Bill. Uh, like, you know, that's the great thing about music, man. It's just like everyone's interpretation is different of every song. I mean, you could hear a powerful, upbeat song and you could, like you said, be moved to tears because of the, the lyrical content of it. And I think you also like to cry, too. Very true. <laughs> uh, more and more. Oh, yeah. More and more. <laughs> Bill, what do you have for us? I'm, uh, you know, since I'm a jerk, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of ramble for a second. Um, so what we started doing on the site, again, in the music section is kind of revisiting our roots, uh, in Asbury park in the local music scene. Um, and, uh, that's because there's actually shows happening right now. And there's some, and, um, it's, it sucked this whole summer, the last or last six months. I mean, we are a big part of covering local music in Asbury park. We're the, we're the press sponsor for happy Mondays at wonder bar, which runs from April to November. We have interviews every week, jams on the sand. We're, even though a <clears throat> certain multi-million dollar um, news outlet that you used to work for, Al, is the sponsor, we actually do work for them. And like we actually spread the word about who's playing uh, the shows and after shows, um, which this is, it's basically a jam show that's on the beach in Asbury Park, right by what was now, what was the Anchor's Bend. And so, and then also we shoot a ton in Asbury in, in the summer and we didn't have that this year. So last week we, we, we kicked off our series of local coverage uh, with a guy by Brian Erickson, who's lead singer of Paper Jets and the Extensions. He just put out a solo record. Um, so I went back to um, the band I'm going to talk about in a second. I'll, I'll get to them. They're also playing this weekend. But uh, I first then went back to the band that got me into the scene, and that was a band called River City Extension, 
which was definitely found their groove in that Stetsons and uh, vests and banjos era stylings of the like early 2010s. Uh, great Asbury band that was looked like they were on the cusp of being a big thing, but unfortunately never happened. Um, the band, the record is um, it's called uh, River City Extension and the Unmistakable Man. Uh, unfortunately, not on Spotify. You can get it on Amazon Music. It's a great upbeat, like kind of folky record. It's awesome. Also, want to give a quick shout out. I'm wearing their t-shirt, their new uh, three quarter shirt, High Tide Recordings, which. Uh, it's run by a couple out of uh, Freehold. Vincent Minervino uh, is a guy I've known for a long time. I booked him, his band, the Brigantines, on their first Jersey Shore show. They And he built this label uh, of surf musicians uh, throughout the world. And he just signed a deal with Universal Music Group. And he will now have his his artists uh, in mass distribution around the world, which is very cool. And so shout out to him. But the band I want to talk about for my pick this week is a band called Jackson Pines. Uh, kind of perfect band to listen to as we celebrate today, the first day of fall, my favorite season of the year. Uh, it's uh, kind of a fall. I do. Yeah, man. Hey, listen. I was born in the fall. Daughter was born in the fall. Got married in the fall. Best time of year. Um, oh. Yeah. And, I was born in the spring, but I like the fall better. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, anytime I could wear shorts and a, and a, and a hoodie, I'm good, I'm good man. Um, they just put out a single. I literally oldest. just said that today to someone else. Hey, man. <laughs> It's the best time of year. And uh, it's um, a band called Jackson Pines, like I said. They're going to be playing this uh, this weekend on an a uh, place called St. John's Island in Asbury Park, which I did not know existed until um, two days ago. Uh, it's this little island in one of the lakes by Asbury, and they're going to have some bands playing. Tara Dente, who was on one of our Happy Monday shows, it's going to be performing Rachel Anna Dobkin, who's on our 2018 Christmas show. And now these guys, Jackson Pines, we just did an interview with them as part of our return to interviewing bands in Asbury. So Half Light is this great stripped down um, acoustic song that just really, I don't know, just kind of embodies like that fall season, like uh, fall introspection. And uh, the vocals are just very powerful and it's very powerful in its uh, starkness. There's not a lot of arrangement around it. It's just a, a powerful voice and a guitar, and I, I just really love it. And the rest of their records are on Spotify. Check them out if you're into, like, folk and uh, need a soundtrack to go to you know, hiking in the woods or something like that. Like, this is a very cool band to listen to. They're going to be on the 2021 See Here Now Music Festival. They were supposed to be on this year's, but obviously that didn't happen. Uh, but, yeah, Jackson Pines, the song is called Half Light, so check them out. Excellent pick. Uh, I have a strange one uh, for me Phoenix? this week. It's not, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I would love it for, uh, for it to be. But uh, no, I, I mentioned, I think, last week that uh, I got a new car. I now have Sirius Satellite Radio, Sirius XM, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm actually listening to it from time to time and not just uh, podcasts or sports. So this one was kind of weird because it was on Alt Nation, and it's not a song that I would normally here on alt nation and and it's also not the style of music that i care for um i do love um super specific rap music i've mentioned how much run the jewels means to me on this podcast specifically yep um i do like uh lots of different rap i never really cared for like like soundcloud rappers or like any uh any of that like specific like i always say like new newer rap uh, just the, it just so didn't ever like cl- 
I know, right? It never really like clicked with me. Like I can understand why, you know, it's it's a culture and, you know, there's a whole kind of like wave of like, you know, not just the music itself, but everything that goes with it. Um on Alt Nation, I just put on put started the car, Alt Nation came on, and the song starts playing, and it's Juice World mm-hmm. featuring Marshmallow. And Juice World, um, for those who don't know, or someone like me who just straight up did not know, uh, he uh, actually was a, a young kid who uh, was like super, super popular, billions of streams. Uh, he um, died in yeah. December of last year from um, a suspected drug-induced seizure and apparently had like hundreds and hundreds of unreleased uh, freestyles that uh, they've been uh, his like family has uh, they, they they made a posthumous album um, called Legends Never Die and the song is called Come and Go. By God, it is one of the catchiest songs I've heard in a long time. It's really, really, really good, especially hearing the lyrics and knowing that he's no longer with us. It makes it a little more impactful, too. But Marshmallow, um, you know, makes it, you know, this, it's very, like, danceable, but at the same time, just, like, again, super, super catchy. Uh, Bill, I think you would like it. If you haven't heard it, it's pretty awesome. The fact Come and I, go. The fact I'm way older than you and knew who Juice World was and yeah, yeah. you didn't mm-hmm. is a sad commentary mm-hmm. on you. Like talking to my um, to, to my sister in law who is younger than me, she's twenty one. Uh, I was like, "Do you know this Juice World guy?" <laughs> uh, I I, saw, I I really felt like I was like sixty five years old uh, discovering him, and like, it just shows that I'm not. Um, music has kind of just fallen by the wayside during this whole year because I, I, you know. I would always be looking for the next big thing as, as a music photographer, but as someone who just uh, stopped listening to music because it just made him sad that he wasn't seeing it live, um, it was nice to hear something new that, from someone I've never listened to before. So, yeah, that's my recommendation this week. I also recommend uh, XMU if you're not if you're it's not on your dial for a serious great yeah, channel. It is. Yeah, great, great. great stuff. It's like their like college radio station, right? Basically, well, XMU, XM. You, yes, that would be correct. You, you got it. Fuck you, buddy. Um, so we give each other the finger on the podcast. <laughs> finger over Thanks, guys. <laughs> Let's go into uh, the watch list. So these is, this is just like a quick recommendation of something that you guys are currently watching uh, during quarantine. Same same rules apply. Uh, any Anything uh, you have to recommend, Alex? Well, I feel like I would do a disservice to only recommend one show as the TV editor for the website. So I'm going to give you three, uh, but under three very specific situations. Uh, One is the best new show of the year. Maybe the best show of the year, period, is I May Destroy You, which just wrapped up its season on HBO and HBO Max. I really, really think that everyone should watch this. It's just it's incredibly bold, innovative, engaging and just makes incredible art out of the thorniest subjects that you could possibly try to tackle. Michaela Cole is the writer uh, and creator and star, and she's just unbelievable. It's it's the must-watch show of the year. Uh, if you're looking for a short binge that is a bit lighter, um, I would really recommend sticking with HBO Max and watching Harley Quinn, which is an animated series, 26 half-hour episodes. You can get in and out of it. 
really fast. I watched all of it in like a week during kind of a rough week when I had like no power and it was not fun for me. Um, and it's just really fun and like has a really great handle on the Harley Quinn uh, character makes a really great use of the DC universe, has like a really irreverent take that feels reflective of her and also just a really fun vibe and has a great cast. It has Alan Tudyk playing an incredible Joker and also playing Clayface. And it's like impossible that they're the same actor, but they're really good. Um, Ron Funches is in it as King Shark. Tony Hale is Dr. Psycho, who is very funny arc um, where uh, he has to join Harley Quinn's crew um, after he, uh, calls uh, Wonder Woman the c-word um, in public and uh, gets canceled by the by the Legion of Doom. So uh, <laughs> the Legion Richard... of Doom cancels him. That's a bit. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Maloney, uh, who a lot of people will know from like Lord Order SVU, uh, plays a drunken mess of a of a Commissioner Gordon that is just really great. JB Smoove is on it. He plays a, a a plant, a talking plant that is high all the time. Really good. Jason Alexander is on this show as a man called Cy Borgman, who is like a CIA um, undercover guy from the eighties who is now a cyborg um, <laughs> and also an old Jewish man. Um, and James Adomian plays Bane, and he does like the best Bane ever and it's just so funny he just wants to blow things up you guys that's all he wants and the other the other bad guys just don't respect him and it's not fair um so really recommend that show uh, <laughs> and if you're looking for a longer binge I'm gonna recommend the long binge that I went on this summer and uh endorse watching Lost if you haven't seen it yet um it's a show that a lot of people have seen, but I think it has like a weird reputation that is not totally fair. Lindelof, who is like the king of the world right now because of Watchmen, created Lost with J.J. Abrams back in the day. And I think that it has like this reputation for being a show that kind of like teases you with mysteries and you never get the answers. And it's also frustrating. A lot of that is not nearly as big of a problem when you watch it in a binge, when you're watching two, three, four episodes in a week. You move through the story much faster, and so the frustrating parts don't feel as frustrating, and you actually get to focus on the characters a lot more, which is really the heart of the show. And what's really great is that the themes of redemption and community that are central to the show feel especially resonant during this really hard year where a lot of bad things have happened. And uh, yeah, I think that it's great. And it has unforgettable characters, iconic what the fuck moments uh, that end every episode. And it's just, it's a great watch. And if you haven't done it, or if you gave up on it when it originally aired, because it was getting too annoying, give it another chance. It's all on Hulu. It's worth the watch. That is the Um, second recommendation for I May Destroy You. Uh, Oh, Christian, Christian, and now Alex. Uh, So people... If you haven't watched it, go check it out. And what's that, the fourth or fifth Harley Quinn recommendation? Yeah, yeah. Cole, uh, Cole the like first twice. One. Twice. And then I finally, you. I used Cole's recommendation and binged Harley Quinn. No, it Alex. is one of my favorite Just shows renewed guys, for the third season. Yes. Uh, I can, I mean, I can talk all day about how amazing both King Shark and Bane are. And I mean, the whole cast throughout, but like, Bane is used in a way that I can only describe as how Krieger is used in Archer. I don't know if either of you yeah. watch Archer. Okay. I, yeah, I used to. Yeah, that's pretty. Yep. That's spot on, right? Like in the like <laughs> yeah. like the small amounts that that you they use Bane, it's just comedy gold. Like, oh man, so good. Funches came it. out uh, Monday. 
and yeah, yesterday, duh, and said he just improvises most of his lines. He just oh, makes it up. He just he, makes it up. It's great because it's so not. It doesn't fit. Like it shouldn't work because it's this just monstrous, gigantic. You know, like they literally make for Bane. He is a a comedic version, like like a, a basic copy of Tom Hardy's Bane. Just like just everyone shits on him, right? Like he literally is doing the party <laughs> yeah. voice, but King shark does not fit. Like it's, it's this giant hulking man with Ron Funches, sweet, lovable voice. <laughs> and he's like, you. he's, and he's like a nerd and it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. And it works perfectly. And again, like, uh, you know, Alex mentioned like, uh, Alan Tudyk, both doing Joker. And it's like a spin off, like the, like Mark Hamill's, like he kind of like is, a little bit of Mark Hamill's Joker, just like with the ability to say fuck. And then Clayface playing this like ultimate, like thespian wannabe actor. It's insane how well this show uh, balances all of these crazy voices and characters. Like it could basically be my recommendation again this week. Um, but yeah, Alex, great picks. Uh, Bill, what do you have? Um, Alf, there's one. What's the one show that we stand on this podcast? The fact American Pickers. What? American Pickers. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> oh, is that me? That's just, That's just you, me. buddy. You're on an island picking <laughs> shit up, man. No, oh, it's, it's just uh, me. It's just you. Uh, DuckTales on Disney XD. Oh, Ret- fuck. Yeah, returned yesterday, uh, which is Monday, um, September 21st, after. Oof, I want to say like a five-month hiatus from mid, mid-April. Um, man, it's like, yeah, I'm a 38-year-old guy who watches DuckTales. My five-year-old daughter doesn't even want to watch it. She like looks at me like embarrassed, like, Dad, why are you watching this? And she doesn't even do that when I watch wrestling or football, which I would assume that she would do that for. Uh, but no, she's like, oh, I don't want to watch this, except for the Christmas episode. That's it. And... This show to me, I grew up watching DuckTales on the Disney Afternoon on Channel 11 in New Jersey, and I loved it then, Um, and they've just done this amazing job of creating something that kids can watch, but also that people my age who were kids when the show first came out can sit there and not just get a nostalgia ride, but actually watch a very good show with an amazing vocal cast, which includes... David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck with Margot Martindale as Ma Beagle, um, Don Cheadle in one of the great vocal cameos of all time, which I will not ruin who he is. If you have not seen season one, you will love it. Um, of course, Danny Pudi, Ben Schwartz, and Bobby Moynihan as Huey, Dewey, and Louie, uh, Kate McCucci as Webby, uh, Beck Bennett as Launchpad and Lynn Manuel Miranda as Gizmo Duck. It's it's and every week they have crazy um, guests and like uh, one of the, the mid season break was uh, Alex, someone you know very well, uh, whose name I'm going to butcher, Christopher or Christopher uh, his view, aka Tormund, Giants Bane from Game of Thrones uh, was on ah, it. Your yeah, buddy who you've interviewed, I think you interviewed him this year. And that feels like literally 10 years ago. Um, yes, it, it was only six months ago, believe it or not. Jesus Christ. It feels like ten, like it feels <laughs> like my like I wasn't even married in that interview came out. Um, 
And yeah, it's just this really fun show, and it, it, but it also has a good heart. Like there, and it's actually kind of gets to dark places. There is a storyline where Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mom, Della Duck, voiced by Paget Brewster, ends up on the moon and has to basically amputate her own leg, and yeah. how she has to deal with the loss of her children and a parent's struggle to get back to her what? kids. Yeah, like a spaceship falls on her leg and she has to make the decision. Do I sit here and die or do I have to amputate my leg? You obviously don't see it on the show, but it's like a decision that's made. There are truly heartfelt, emotional moments in this show that you're just like, Mm -hmm. I was not expecting to be hit this hard by a Disney XD show. But it's also tremendously funny. There was, um, they did one where they spoofed a... Basically, a Huey, Dewey, and Louie spinoff show from the 90s. Like, I can't remember what the hell it was called. It was like, it wasn't Goof Troop, but it was like something like that. It was like... like quack Pack or quack something pack, like that? Yeah. And it was just was like... Quack Pack? Yeah. And it was like yeah. a takeoff on uh, a three-camera 90s sitcom in front of a live studio audience. It's a smart show. It's a funny show. It's a show for all ages. And it's just, it's just a warm blanket of called- fun. That you could wrap around yourself and enjoy for 20 minutes every week. So, highly recommend DuckTales. That's why we talk about it every week. Dude, I did not know Quack Pack existed. Like, I didn't know that was a real Neither thing. That I. lasted 39 episodes. Wow. Yeah, that was on when I was little. I remember that. They were like teenagers. It was like DuckTales, but they were teenagers. I yeah. Think. I mean, like, I got I, I don't know if you need to watch it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's so. As a DuckTales completionist, I guess I have to watch it. Maybe you do. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I do love DuckTales. Uh, so go check it out. So very diverse uh, picks this week. So Al, I guess, brother, it's uh, it's time to take us home. Oh, I mean, I can make a pick as well. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm such oh, a man. dick. Well, my, my pick is going to be super quick, and it's, it's also going to be the weirdest pick I've ever had. Um, it's uh, it's football, guys. Just, just oh, being able to watch football. Butt. Uh, no, seriously, like I, I had to think about like, what did I watch this week? And I, um, outside of American Pickers, the only thing I've been watching, I've been watch. I watched like a ton of football the last, uh, you know, the last couple days since, uh, since it came back two Sundays ago at this point. And, uh, man, it's the only, like, I, I kind of feel like a, a sense of normalcy watching it because it's something that was, you know, that I kind of took for granted uh, during, and like you know, seeing seeing, you know, gajillion dollar stadiums like the 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 the, uh, the Charger Stadium Sonified with stadium. zero people in it uh, was kind of weird and and uh, you know, str- you know, very strange. But just being able to watch football again uh, for the a little amount of time that we have is is nice, and that's all. That's what the watch list is about is about taking your mind off everything that's happening right now. Football is doing that for me. Um, and, uh, you know, losing a ton of bets has been great. You're terrible at that. I'm not. <laughs> and, I, you know, I also don't bet a lot. I always bet, like, small amounts to try to win a lot. And that's why I don't win. Because I try to do these weird parlays that it's like, you know, they have to um, solve this uh, equation whilst catching a ball in the end zone. And that's impossible. So they're not going to do it. And then I don't win any money. Can Odell Beckham Jr. F- find the cosine of 81 while catching a 65-yard <laughs> touchdown? That's it. 
Exactly. Uh, I hear, and so, yeah, so this podcast started from, like, Al and I's, like, Facebook conversations literally all day, every day. Um, during football season, it is constant, oh, my God, I bet on this and lost. I bet on this and lost. And in mine is, holy shit, another one of my guys in our fantasy football league got injured. Uh, yeah. So that's it. So and, then, and then we meet in the middle at, fuck, the Giants are terrible. Always, forever. God bless them. <laughs> God bless them. Oh, my, da- my dad's looking down like, eh. They still suck. Oh, um, God. But, yeah, that was uh, that's the watch list. Uh, thank you guys for recommendations. As always, we're going to go into our final segment. We are skipping, uh, and we have the last couple of weeks, um, a slice of fried gold. Not that there isn't a lot of slice of fried gold out there. We just want to make sure that we, we give enough time to this topic specifically, which is a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope! Oh, boy, oh, boy. This week's glimmer of hope... Uh, is actually something from the previous week, two weeks ago, I think, at this point. Uh, the Mandalorian trailer for season two dropped. Oh, man. I can't wait for this show. Oh. We could also, we could actually uh, split this. So I want to talk about The Mandalorian first, and then I want to talk about the WandaVision trailer, too. You I want to add that to it. I know. So uh, let's start with The Mandalorian. Uh, season two. It looks like it's going to be picking up right where season one left off, uh, just based on uh, the footage. Um, thank God that they were able to film this um, before everything went down. Um, and, you know, a lot of this relies heavily on the um, special effects that they built basically in-house. And everything's kind of in like a, this very closed environment. They don't have to go film in, you know, the middle of the desert somewhere. They've kind of brought that uh, to the set that they've built. And if you've ever seen any of the behind the scenes stuff on Disney plus, Jesus, it's amazing mm. the, the way that they film this show. Uh, but yeah, the, the trailer um, didn't reveal too, too much. Uh, it was definitely a nice teaser uh, from my perspective. Um, we got to see a mysterious figure in the beginning who now we know is played by Sasha Banks, the, the former WWE star. Uh, current, uh, but yes, current. Current form. I said form. Sorry. I think former because they're acting and they can't do two things at once. Not true, apparently. Not true. Um, not true. So um, yeah. So uh, everyone thought that it was going to be um, uh, Ahsoka and played by Rosario Dawson. Um, Rosario Dawson. Thank you. Uh, uh, brain fart. Uh, but no, we do not. I I, I said when that na- that news was announced, I think we're not going to see her until the final episode. Same which is going to set up season three. And apparently uh, 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 Esposito said that it you don't start getting answers for the show until season four. How does he know this? Did you, you see that news item? You've talked to him. He's a, he's a cagey oh, dude. Yeah. I, listen, dude, he's a great guy. Great dude. Interviewed him twice. Um, or maybe three times. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, but yeah, the Mandalorian season two trailer... Uh, this is the only reason to, to still live the rest of the year, right? Is to watch this. <laughs> as a father <laughs> as a father of a one-year-old boy. So the only reason to yeah. live is the Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I mean, this is what saved 2019, uh, this and, uh, and Watchmen, in terms of television. And I feel like uh, we're just back at it again. And holy crap, does that make you realize how, like, the gap between... Like, this year was the... like insanely fast but at the same time so much was taken from us because of it and then we're kind of just back to like oh 
I mean, at least we got Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're really just right back at it. That was December we had that show. That was the yeah, last I can't time. co-sign the fast year uh, theory that you have oh, there, well, Al. It has not it felt is... very fast to me. Okay, it has not felt fast, <laughs> yeah. but at least we're here, right? We're, we're, we're getting to the Mandalorian. <laughs> Nothing good is happening like besides... I... I feel like I aged five years since the Mandalorian. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I but, uh... discovered just, so. Uh, but yeah, uh, what did you guys think of the trailer? Um, besides my uh, inane rambling, um, we'll start with Alex. Alex, uh, are you a fan of the show? And uh, what are you hoping to see in season dose? So I enjoy the show. It kind of fills that same void for me that I have when I watch genre shows like Supergirl or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like those kinds of shows. It's a little bit higher budget than those shows, but also with like a little bit less character development than those shows have. So it's kind of like, you know, like half of one, uh, six dozen of another. (laughs) It's not the saying. Um, (laughs) But I do I do like it. It's enjoyable. I thought that some of the hype around it wasn't totally justified in its first season i think it's wild that it got a best drama uh nominee at the emmy awards um but it's a fun show and i think that like if you go in with like relaxed expectations it's like a fun way to spend your time a lot of talented people are on it i thought that the trailer itself um just felt like yeah it's gonna be another star wars show and it's like it seems like it maybe has a little bit of a higher budget this year Um, You're definitely going to more worlds and stuff, and that's cool, but it definitely seems like more of the same, and if you like what you got, then you're going to be excited. If you were hoping for it to be maybe a little less episodic, I think uh, that was a complaint that some people had. Um, It doesn't look like you're going to be getting what you're looking for, but um, the thing that I'm most looking forward to for season two is just the cast that they added. Like You talked about Rosario Dawson, who is an actor who's personal life has kind of come into the headlines as a little bit problematic but i think she gives great performances in everything she was excellent in the last few seasons of jane the virgin big fan of hers uh, she's never she's never bad so i'm excited to see her here uh they also added timothy oliphant who is always great they added michael bean or michael bain rather from oh, uh, you know the alien and terminator you know and Katie Sackoff, who, you know, oh, fans yeah. of Battlestar Galactica will know she can fit right into a, a dystopic sci-fi vision of the future. So I'm excited about those additions, and I hope that they have fun episodes built around them. Um, and, you know, Pedro Pascal is excellent, uh, and I hope he gets to take his mask off more this season. He's or he walks. <laughs> <laughs> I love there's one cut in the trailer where they're like kind of doing the voiceovers from this, the first season where it's just like, and, um, Amanda says like, how, or like where, and it's a cut where like, there's a sand person on a bantha and the bantha moves its mouth. So it looks like it's saying Mando's line. It's like, where? <laughs> and I'm just like, I just sit there. I've watched this trailer seven times for That's that amazing. scene alone. And I just laugh hysterically every time. It's like, where? And it's just like, I know the thing didn't say it, but it's just, I don't know. Hey man. You, when you start virtual kindergarten with your with your five year old, you know it's the little things that keep you sane. Um, yeah, I I really loved what this trailer did uh, in terms of just bringing me back to a fun place. Like Alex was saying, this was a really fun show. My expectations were I was I was worried because like Star Wars has been hit or miss since uh, Disney's taken over. You know, I love the Force Awakens. Uh, I love the Last Jedi. Uh, and I mean, I, and I trust me, I know all the arguments here and there and everywhere, and uh, I'm not going to make this a last Jedi argument podcast. Uh, and Rise of Skywalker was fine. And um, 
I went to Mandalorian. I'm like, I don't know how a TV series is going to work. And it it was just a Western. And I'm like, cool. I grew up on Westerns. It was a Western with some cool shit in it. There was some there was some episodes, the one where they had Bobby Cannavale's son and uh, Mignon went in. That was, eh, it was okay. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a fun series that built up fun character. It just, I'm just using the word fun a lot. And that's like Alex said, that's what the show was. It was just a hell of a, a nice way to end uh, 2019, and I'm hoping that I, my one fear about the show is that people are going to put such huge expectations on this show that every that if it doesn't hit it like this insane un untenable bar that people are like this show sucks. When in, in reality, it's people's expectations are way too high. I'm just looking forward to a fun show. Robert Rodriguez is who we've interviewed on the site. Thanks to Al. Um, is directing a few episodes. I've always been a fan of his style. So that should be fun. And yeah, hey man, Sasha Banks was in that trailer for a while. So, I, you know, the wrestling nerd in me, I popped. It was pretty cool. So yeah, I'm all in on Mando season two and I'm just looking for it to be a, a fun weekly series that I can enjoy. Yeah, I think we just need a little more Baby Yoda uh, in our lives at this point moment in time it's the the one thing that unified us in 2019 and i'm just hoping they don't overkill it you know and go ah, too much with it ah. well i mean they did it already with the merchandise so i I can't see them not doing it Uh, i do have a baby yoda mug it's adorable especially because my my i I taught my son my almost two-year-old son i said uh this is baby yoda so normally he would go baby for baby or baby is good baby when it's Baby Yoda specifically, he puts this like high pitched voice to it, and it's the cutest thing in the world. Also, I have convinced my daughter that your son is the living version of Jack Jack from The Incredibles. Yeah, I, I listen. The way that my son runs around and climbs on every single surface in the world and turns into uh, a demon. Yeah, he turns into a demon sometimes too. So I, I could see it. I could see him being Jack Jack. That's actually a pretty good idea for a Halloween costume. Who do you guys think would win in a fight, uh, Baby Yoda or Jack Jack? Ooh, Ooh. good question. Uh, Al, you're terrible at bets. You make the first pick. <laughs> okay, so uh, I would say Jack Jack because I feel like because of the amount of powers that he has, he's probably unkillable. Like he's he's got like that Hulk thing. Like Hulk is the most powerful being in the MCU because it's just it, there's no stopping. Like there's no raid. Like there's no way to stop him. I, I don't think there's a way to kill the Hulk. Or I think now Jack there's Jack no is, way to kill the she Hulk. Now going to be played by Tatiana Maslany. Tatiana Maslany. Boom. Yes. Excellent. Very exciting. Excellent. Um, excellent drop j- right there. But no, I think Jack Jack would, uh, I think he could, I don't think he's killable. I think he's, cause just, he's got that. Just demon to be clear. Power. Just to be clear, I was not proposing a battle to the death with two children. Why not? <laughs> I, I, I did not think it was a battle to the death either. I think in a fight... He could teleport, he could multiply, he could turn into a demon, he could turn on fire. Yoda can move things with his mind. Sort and of. He's legitimately like... Yeah, sort of. So like, And it wipes him out too, so if he uses it once... And, you know, Jack-Jack averts it in some way. Uh, he's, like, tuckered out. And then he needs a little nappy nap. That's true. Jack-Jack doesn't seem like he naps at all from the from the second movie. He, he just doesn't sleep. Except for cookies. Uh, oh, those cookies. 
And those cookies, when they make them in Disney, are pretty incredible. Oh, God, Bill. Why did you go for that unintentional pun? Uh, boo me. Boo this man. Um, this man. Bill, who's your pick in this uh, in this fight that should never happen? <laughs> I got it with Jack-Jack, too, because I think Baby Yoda is like one shot, one kill, like, and he could basically like knock Jack-Jack back, but you know, Jack-Jack, is, uh, his battery don't stop, so I'm going to go with him. I think you guys are both wrong. I think Baby Yoda would easily win because he would just put her. He would he would just put Jack Jack to sleep and then game over. So ah, I love it. Probably and Alex B. I mean, also, Alex B. The smartest person on this podcast is probably right. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, uh, well, that's actually gonna that's nope. gonna end it. No, you changed it. We got to talk about Wandavision. Oh man. I forgot about that. All right, let's talk really quick about the – so during the the Emmys, uh, Disney unveiled finally um, the WandaVision trailer. And I say finally because there was a lot of talk of the, the show getting pushed to 2021. It seems that it's still going to be at the end of this year, right? They, they announced an actual date. Oh, I think yeah, they're saying they this. confirmed December. Yeah, they, they confirmed, confirmed December, December because it, we were supposed to get both WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier this year. I don't believe we are going to get – Falcon and Winter Soldier. Strange, however, I felt that the WandaVision one, because of needing more special effects and stuff, uh, I think, just off the top of my head, because of Vision and the craziness that it looks like that they were doing in this episode, uh, the, the series, I would think that was the one that would have more delay issues. But, I digress. Holy fuck, this show looks amazing! This looks so crazy! It looks so crazy! Like, um, as someone who uh, I mentioned earlier, like the before Watchmen, the most groundbreaking superhero show that I ever seen was Legion because it blended, you know, it, it didn't specify like it didn't specify what year it was supposed to take place. You didn't really know a lot going in outside of this like Z list X Men character, um, but the the effects in it were phenomenal and you had the, you know, incredible writing from Noah Hawley, like just his like brain in the show was like amazing. Right. And then Watchmen comes along and they kind of keep stepping up the game in terms of like just visuals in, in a, uh, you know, a superhero adaptation series. WandaVision looks like it's taking it like a whole nother level. You know, we're getting like, um, fifties, uh, like I love Lucy television vibes. We're getting like, you know, um, like very dark elements. And then uh, we get Catherine Hahn in a superhero show. And that's all that kind of matters, right? Because she is the best. So I'm so pumped for the show. Uh, Alex, uh, what did you, what did you think from the trailer? Is this something that, uh, you know, you might like more than say Mandalorian? I, I really hope I'll like it more than Mandalorian because I'm so <laughs> excited for this show. Yeah. I've been following the development of this show for like a year and a half. I've been every single piece of information that I get makes me more excited. The whole series is directed by Matt Shankman, who's an excellent TV director. He's directed some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones and Fargo and Mad Men. And oh. like, and also he directed like 40 something episodes of It's Always Sunny. And he has this great ability to kind of balance tone and spectacle in all of his properties. And so I'm very excited that he's kind of taking the directorial lead here. And it just, it just seems 
excellent. I love like surreal content. I was a fan of of Legion. I'm secretly a huge fan of Scarlet Witch, and feels like she was consistently like underused in the Marvel movies. And I've been excited for her to get this showcase because she's a mm-hmm. character with like a lot of potential. And Elizabeth Olsen is just such a tremendous actress. And so I've been so excited. I love the fact that they're bringing in random people from throughout the universe, like Kat Dennings from the Thor movies is going to be in this show. <laughs> uh, Randall Park from Ant Man Two is in this show. I love that they're bringing um, Monica Rambeau, who is like the little girl from Captain Marvel. She's going to be in it, played by Tayona Paris, who is an excellent actress. Um, it just I, like this show. It has Fred Melmed and and Deborah Jo Rupp in it. Like it's just crazy. Like there's there's no reason why they. Sh- show should work it should be totally insane a, a, a studio like marvel should have never allowed this to happen and i'm just so excited that they did and i really yeah. can't wait to watch it uh, my thoughts exactly yeah, also paul bettany is also paul bettany is the vision is like best performance in the mcu probably so i'm also excited about that <laughs> wow that's that's shots fired right there but that's a, a great <laughs> take honestly he's really good in that role I, he's one of the most i mean marvel's crushed it with casting throughout and I think that's just another prime example. But uh, Bill, what were you gonna say? Yeah, like uh, just echoing what Alex said. It's just like when I saw the trailer, I'm like, I cannot for one second believe this is on Disney Plus. Like, yeah. Disney Plus is just like all about like the layup for like here's Hamilton. Thank you, sixty two percent or seventy two percent increase in subscribers. Here's Beyonce. Like, here's all these just big tentpole things that are just like easy money and then you get this thing which is just this weird it's got like a twin peaks vibe and al you and i are both big twin peaks fans alex i don't know if you are um but like absolutely oh thank god uh yeah so it's like so it has this crazy weird vibe and i'm just i looked at this i'm like i have literally no idea what's happening i'm also kind of behind on some of the marvel movies but like I honestly don't give a shit because I am so in for this. I'm like, yeah. take me on this weird ride, you weird red-faced man, Paul Bettany, and Elizabeth Olsen. Just everyone, just take me on this ride. I'm ready to go. And I think this is going to be a. I think this could be a. It could be a polarizing series because some people are like I don't get it, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a, a huge hit for Disney Plus because it's so different and so outside the box. It's something like like comic book fans, they always talk about like, you know, their favorite stories, their favorite arcs from actual comics. As I'm looking right now, I'm surrounded by boxes and boxes of comics and murder um, bugs and probably just a, a bug that's about to murder me at some point um, there. It looks like they're adapting a little bit or at least getting some inspiration from Tom King's limited vision series that he did for Marvel, where you know, he took a character that no one really had their, you know, their mark on or has the a character that doesn't have, like, the definitive story of and made one, right? And it's about Vision who creates his own wife and kids and dog and ha- tries to have a normal family life, right? Um, and tries to kind of blend in with humanity and how he can't. Um, it's, I hope they bring a lot of stuff from that. And that's, it has really nothing to do. Like he has an actual wife who is an Android or whatever, like him in it. And it has 
Scarlet Witch in the vicinity. So it's going to be interesting how they kind of adapt that and incorporate that. But I just love that they're Marvel's doing these like, fuck it. We can do whatever we want. We have the platform that we have all the money. Let's do, you know, let's do the vision and Scarlet Witch show that no one asked for. Like, give me more of that. Right. <laughs> I asked That's, for it. Just I know, but like you are, you're the only one Alex and I'm happy you did because they listened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's what I want Disney plus to be is extremely talented and diverse creators getting to make things that they wouldn't be able to make anywhere else because they have unlimited resources and they have any IP they can do like they, that, that they have that they ever dreamed of having. And while Disney is keeps buying up IP, like what they did with Fox, I can't imagine what comes next, right? And, you know, hopefully WandaVision is a huge success and they give more creative people the freedom to do things like that because it looks bonkers. Like, I'm so excited for this show just based off this little trailer. And again, I have to reiterate, Katherine Hahn is in a superhero series. Yeah. Like, come on. Great. Yeah. Hit well, me up. She and I mean she was she was excellent in uh, in Enter the Spider Verse. So as, uh, as so Doc good. Ock, the yeah. So I mean, and One I love here she reveals. her stated her stated character name is Nosy Neighbor, and so that just makes me very excited. I, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, well, apparently there's <laughs> and, some, there's some talk of who she is in relation to the 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 Marvel universe. There, yeah, she there's a lot might of hints. Be, a, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of rumors and a lot of things, but I don't think we really know what's going on with this show quite yet. No. And, uh, and it's also important to know that this has been stated as sort of like an intro into like, this is going to connect pretty directly into the new Dr. Strange Correct. movie, which will come out eventually. <laughs> the multiverse <laughs> of madness. Yeah. This is like a multiverse show, uh, potentially, uh, kind of opening up for that. I, I mean, I'm in, I'm so in. I, you know, I do and, find it strange, though, that we did not – we still don't have any Loki footage because I feel like that was the first show that was being they filmed. Were, well, no, no, it was not the first show. It was the show that was had just started filming right when quarantine hit. And so that's really? why we don't have yeah. that footage. Yeah, they shut it down only – like it, they were only a couple weeks in. Yeah, that was always that was always slated to like that was announced in the first batch, but that was always slate. I want to say it was slated for 2021, 2022. Like that was always slated to come out after Winter Soldier and um, and WandaVision. I thought that was the first to be filmed. And because they were wasn't coming out later. Yeah, so like they had set photos of him on the, the filming. Unfor unfortunately, I know too much about this stuff. <laughs> and oh, no, I listen. Hit me. <laughs> yeah, so they filmed they filmed uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision at about the same time. The reason why uh, WandaVision finished first is because most of it was filmed in studio in Atlanta versus uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which had a several like key sequences filmed outside, some of it Got in it. Europe. Um, and so that's why they were able to finish up WandaVision before they ended up finishing Falcon and Winter Soldier. Originally, okay. Falcon and Winter Soldier were supposed to be coming out this fall, and WandaVision was supposed to come out like around February of next year. And then because they were able to finish it 
faster than I think they were planning on. They were able to kind of set it for December, and then it was going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier in August, September, October, and then uh, WandaVision in December. And then they ended up having to delay because of the outdoor shoots that they ended up finally doing in Atlanta. It was still supposed to be in Europe, but they had to finish it out in Atlanta. And so that's why now Falcon and the Winter Soldier is dated for 2021 and we're getting WandaVision first. And then it was supposed to be after WandaVision premiered, then uh, Loki would premiere. And then it was sort of said that Loki and WandaVision together would kind of set the stage for the Doctor Strange sequel, which would be happening that May, which is now definitely not going to happen that may because everything shifted so much but that's sort of the sequence of events that we were in for nice awesome well thank you for the mcu update because we we, i i personally (laughs) need it um that is the only thing again keeping me going outside of the mandalorian is more uh disney plus slash mcu content uh alex thank you so much for joining us on this episode excellent um and, you know, we usually do our little plugs at the end. And you've mentioned a couple, but just to reiterate, uh, where can people find you on social media? And just plug your podcasts, uh, plural, again. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Media Thinkings. Uh, if you like movies and you're signed up for Letterboxd, which is a cool social networking site only about movies and movie reviews, uh, you can follow me there at Media Thinkings as well. Uh, as for my podcasts, as we talked about, Cinema Joe's is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, you get it all those places. Um, that's going to be, as we said, starting up again very shortly with um, my guests' favorite movies of their lives, which is really fun. Bill's going to be on it. Lots of people from Popgrave are on it. Uh, so check that out. Um, you can also follow TV Break, which is a once-monthly podcast over on the Pop Break TV podcast feed, um, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Bill is on there with me, as well as Josh Sarnacki. Uh, we talk about all things going on in television that month, and we like review a new series, and we talk about news, and we talk about what we've been watching. So that's a fun. We also do a streaming wars update every month, which is always a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, usually about twice a month, I'll do goodbye to all that, which also comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, on Pop Break TV, um, and that is a show focused on uh, series finales um, and season finales of some of the best shows that are out there on TV. And we got some really fun guests lined up uh, for the coming weeks uh, that I'm looking forward to. Uh, Nathaniel Rogers uh, from the thefilmexperience.net is going to be coming on to talk about Ratchet, uh, Netflix's uh, original Ryan Murphy series, which is kind of a spiritual prequel or literal prequel, I guess, uh, to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, so that's going to be coming out in a few weeks. We're also going to be talking about um, Hellstrom, Hulu's Marvel show. So that's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. So and Bill's going to be on uh, to talk about Lovecraft Country in a few weeks. So when that finally finishes up. up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Bill. Where can people find you? Uh, at Bodkin writes W R I T E S on Twitter. Um, I do stuff there, mostly wrestling. Uh, and uh, mostly, most importantly, what I want you to do is check out thepopbreak.com every single day. Uh, got great stuff from the TV section that Alex has been curating, which has been carrying the site during this uh, music and filmless uh, pandemic era. Um, of course, we do. Ha- we still do have some stuff in the film section and, like I said, in the music section. Uh, we also have stuff on wrestling, comic books, uh, where we have video game column every Friday, which is we just started up recently, which is kind of cool. Of course, check out um, 
socially distanced podcast. Um, it'll be a little different this week. We just we we're kind of got hamstrung by a few things, so we had a, just had our first episode, episode twenty six, drop on Monday. This will drop uh, not on Friday. This will drop way sooner than that. Uh, but we usually come out every Friday, so find us on Anchor, SoundCloud. No, sorry, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, give us a give us a follow over there. Of course, we are at popbreak.com, all spelled out on Twitter, uh, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook, at the popbreak on Instagram. And Al, plug uh, plug some of the stuff that you do. You do things? I don't. No, I don't. You're um, terrible. I am. Uh, I am. A stay-at-home dad at the moment, uh, mostly looking for a new job. Been so, there. <laughs> um, the other day, I wrote a cover letter uh, written by my dog. So that's great. where I'm at. It was currently. great. It was so funny. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can follow me at uh, Al Manorino on Instagram uh, and Twitter, which I am uh, uh, verified for no reason. Um, and yeah, just uh, just follow uh, everything that's uh, all the amazing content uh, at the pop break. Um, I'm seeing not only just great content overall, but just the way that the, the, the thing I love about the site is how diverse the content is. Um, you can see, you know, the latest love, love, love craft country review. I can't speak today. Um, and then you can see uh, a review about uh, the movies uh, dine-in experience that Kevin Smith had at in uh, Red Bank, I believe. Was it Red Bank? Yep. It was Red Bank, yeah. Yep. So, uh, a lot of local and national content, as always. And content. Uh, next week, we celebrate our 11th year. 11th year, that's amazing. Um, specifically, content from me, don't have anything on the site. You can see uh, a, a trip down a very depressing <laughs> memory lane. Uh, uh, Bill Bill's review of the 2019 See Here Now Music Festival that we should have been at the 2020 version of uh, last weekend, um, which was super depressing on so many levels. Uh, I did uh, some of my favorite photography uh, at that show. So you can see that uh, Bill posted it recently um, on the Pop Break Facebook page uh, and, and Twitter. Twitter and Twitter. So uh, check that out. Uh, but also, just please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast that you're listening to right now. It helps us uh, find new audiences. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you uh, next week.